In listening to an economics podcast not long ago, I learned of something called the sunk cost fallacy. A sunk cost is defined as a sum paid in the past that no long, is no longer relevant to decisions about the future. Even though econo- economists argue that sunk costs are no longer relevant to future rational decision-making in everyday life, people often take previous expenditures in situations, such as repairing a car or house, into their future decisions regarding those properties. This sunk cost fallacy can play out in everyday lives as well. For instance, a family that gets baseball tickets only to arrive and find early in the game that they're not enjoying it very much. One family may sit and stay for the whole game because they bought the tickets. Another family may get up and go find something else to do that they might enjoy more. Another example I have heard is from families who take their kids to Disney World, buy passes into the park for every day, and by day two or three, all their kids want to do is go to the pool at the hotel. And they say, but we bought these tickets. We've spent so much. We have to go do everything in the park. And if they go to the pool, there's resentment. And if they go to the park, there's exhaustion. The sunk cost fallacy uh, is something that I believe Jesus is appealing to when speaking to the rich man this morning. Here's a good Jewish man. He's followed all the obvious uh, parts of the law, the Ten Commandments. No murdering. That's good. No stealing or lying or cheating or dishonoring of his parents. This guy has been checking boxes since he was young. And he is getting it right. And alongside that, which would have made sense in his culture, he has accumulated a lot of stuff, a great deal of wealth. Now in this passage is one of the better known phrases from the New Testament, maybe the Bible. We hear it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Preachers, not mentioning any names here, but preachers maybe of earlier eras may be tempted to explain away, maybe with some you know, deep work on which words are being used, uh, what Jesus maybe was just kind of getting at. Or another bad sermon possibly preached in the past um, may have pointed out, well, he went away sad, but that's because it's a lot of work to do to sell all your stuff, and he's going to catch up with Jesus later. Because it doesn't say he didn't do it. These are, neither of these are the point. And we know it's not the point because of the way the disciples reacted. The man had thought that he had achieved the self-righteousness that comes from following all the rules. But Jesus has pointed out that there is still much keeping him from putting God at the center of his life. This was the sunk cost fallacy. He had put so much into his stuff, his trust, he put his trust into his stuff, 
comfort, assurance, his image was tied, and identity was tied up in his stuff, security and safety, his actual self-worth, that it was very hard to imagine losing it all, much less actively giving it away. And this is paired with the, the idea of the day that, uh, that all the things you got were because God liked you. I mean, he probably walked up to Jesus with a little bit of a swagger. He's like, I, I check all the boxes and I got all the stuff. I mean, if you got things, if you were uh, of note or wealthy in that day, it was because God liked you. These were uh, rewards. And so when Jesus says this, it's no wonder that the disciples ask, well, then, who then can be saved? If those that we see are obviously most favored by God can't make it, who can? What Jesus is saying doesn't fit their worldview. So when this man walks up to Jesus with his honest question, Though I must say it was a bit ill-timed. This passage comes just after Jesus says, if you want to come into the kingdom of God, you've got to be like this small child. So maybe he was out of earshot when Jesus was saying that. But as he comes up to Jesus, I just want to point out that, that what actually happens here is that Jesus sees him. Jesus sees him in his fullest, inside and out. The stuff he has at home and the stuff that clutters his heart. Jesus sees the man. And it says that he looked at him with compassion. He looks at the man and he loves him. And he names the blind spot. Jesus names the sunk cost fallacy. The sort of thing that makes families unenjoyable at baseball games and kids miss out on pools at hotels at Disney World. While he could follow all the rules, he could not place his heart where it would get the life it needed. And Jesus looked at him with compassion because of this. Jesus knew him. Jesus knew his state. Jesus loved him. And so, here's the actual turning point. This is, this is where all the chips go in. When the disciples ask who could be saved with such a standard, Jesus gives them the capital G, capital N, good news. That with God, all things are possible. That's it. With God, we are freed from our misinvestment. In God's love, we are re released from our misunderstanding. Though it would be hard to put your heart somewhere that it had been focused elsewhere, put your heart on God, would be a monumental task, but in God, all things are necessary. So finally, I... I turn us back to the question that is asked, actually asked of Jesus. What must the man do? That's what he asks. What do I have to do? 
What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Actually, in Mark, this is really, I think, the only place in eternal life is said. Everywhere else, it's kingdom of God. And so uh, everybody would say, this is, this is, what do I have to do to get the kingdom of God? What do I have to do to inherit God's kingdom, to get God's kingdom, to get God's life? What do I have to do? Now, first, I, I, I must point out that inheriting is not an active task, but actually comes actually at the cost of loss. And what must be done to receive the gift of God's kingdom and God's life? Friends, what is it? What do you have to do to get a gift? It is no wonder that Jesus looked at this man with compassion. He knew his heart. He knew his sunk cost. He knew that the, the man yearned for more. He checked all the boxes. He had all the stuff. He wanted it. He knew the man yearned for more. And the truth is that in God, through God's love, it is all possible. Through the love of God, the kingdom of God is given. There are no sunk costs in our, on our part because Jesus has paid it all. And so friends, this morning's gospel is not accusation. That candle through an eye of a needle thing makes a lot of people nervous. But it is not condemnation. It is perspective and truth. It is being known and relieved. It is a gift and it is freedom. Thanks be to God in whom all things are possible and in whom we are saved.